Hope you're having a great weekend. This is Leading Edge. I'm Dan Cummins in for Jerry Anderson. Later in the program, we'll see the Honor Flight schedule for this year. We have two guests from Flag City Honor Flight. But first, February is Black History Month. We'll have with us Earl Mack this morning and afternoon. He spent his life in public service, Army medic during the Vietnam era, the long career in law enforcement. Now he's president of the Buffalo Soldiers, riding motorcycles and doing great things for Toledo. I asked him about the Buffalo Soldiers connection to black history. Oh, most definitely, and, and, and especially for, for, uh, for the Buffalo Soldiers, because it gives us an opportunity to, to represent that history, to talk about that history, especially to our, to our, to our uh, kids that, that are in school, uh, and, 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 and just live that history. So, so Black History Month for us is great, and I always say, too, uh, not only Black History Month for, uh, for, for all year long, we, we just recognize it uh, during February. Earl, you, your whole life is, has been centered around service to others uh, with the organization. Now we'll talk about that later on. But the, the uh, amazing impact you've had in your life uh, with a career in law enforcement, um, what m made you go into that? Was it when you, we'll talk about your time in Vietnam as a medic. Did that kind of develop some sense of, of honor and some sense of duty to your country? Well, be, be, being a soldier, uh, does back in those days uh, and, and, and given you know those kinds of responsibility uh, as a medic uh, and, uh, and, and and my permanent duty station though uh, was in jo Fort Benning Georgia uh, I, I was attached to, to, to the hospital there uh, where, where we where we treated a whole lot of vets coming back from Vietnam uh, with a whole lot of conditions uh, and so it gave, it gave you a, a really great sense of honor to, you know, to, to be able to talk to those soldiers and they talk back to you about all their experiences and you're able to be a cushion for, uh, for them. So, so, so that was a great experience. Vietnam itself, uh, 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 the unit was, was there, but, but at the time that uh, President Nixon was pulling everybody out. So there's things we had to pull out uh, and, 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 go, and go home. So, so you're discharged in the Army finally and then you decide to become a police officer. What were the decision making there and, and how did you get there? Well, even before I became a, a police officer, I, I used to be a, a musician. I played gospel music, I was a drummer. And, 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 and one day what, what, what caused me to, 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 to leave uh, music was what was an incident that happened with, with one of my brothers and I was so down in it uh, about it. And my uncle, who was, a, who was a, the prison warden of the Dayton uh, prison at that time talked with me and he says have you ever thought about using your, your GI Bill to go to school and so forth and so on and this is the good profession to come you know to get into so based off of that uh, I, I, I met uh, Sheriff Tell. Sheriff Tell was one of the professors uh, in those days and 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 and, and, I, and I, I enrolled in the University of Toledo um, uh, gra graduated from Toledo went, went to uh, the University of Louisville uh, the Southern Police Institute uh, to uh, for for uh, supervision and, and and became a liquor agent uh, f for the state of Ohio. That had to be some challenging times, uh, liquor agent. Y y yes, it ch challenging and and, and and fun times too. Uh, but but uh, you know you're you're responsible for all the liquor enforcement in the state of Ohio. Most of, most most of the enforcement at that time was either cheat spots, as we call illegal liquor operations that operate at night. Uh, and, 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 and young folks buying alcohol. So, and I worked undercover for almost seven years uh, as, a, a, as, as a drug 
agent with, with the uh, Federal Drug Enforcement uh, uh, Agency. What kind of stories can you tell us about oh that experience? <laughs> it, a lot of stories there. Um, uh, uh, and, 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 and I always talk about this story to, to, to police officers. As an undercover officer, you had to be tough. And, and if you have a target, you work that target. And, and one day, I'll just say this real quick. One day, I'm with my, my partner, Ron Lewis, and, and we're in this Cleveland bar, and a lot of dope is being sold and so forth and so on. And we, we're playing that role with the gold and, and Cadillac sitting outside and stuff. And, and so a, bar, a, a female bartender, uh, uh, was she wanted to date me. Well, you can't date anybody in those days, so, so I would always play it off. And when the guy came in, uh, and he, he looked down at me, and he talked to her, and he told her, that uh, how you know that these guys aren't cops? So she came down and told me that. This, this is going to be a weird story. And, 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 and so when, when she told me that, I looked at, at, at Aaron. I said, I'm going to watch this guy. He, he, he goes into the restroom. And our things to watch me, I always rub my eye, which means Ron, watch me. So I go into, into the restroom after him. Uh, okay, I think, I think the uh, statute of limitations have run, ran out on this. And, and so he's standing there, a wizard. And so I walked up to him and said, and said I heard you, you told this, this young lady we're, uh, we're, uh, we're cops. And I took a piece of steel I had and, and placed it some, someplace. And I said, let me tell you something. You're going to screw up our operation and so forth. Guess what? He on himself and all of that stuff. But he became our best informant after that. And, and, and we were able to, to clean up a lot of drug operations uh, in East Cleveland, in Cleveland, simply because of, uh, 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 of that operation. But, but, but you know, un undercover stuff, liquor stuff, there's a lot of things there, a lot of heartbreaking things with, you know, dealing with families with, with uh, you know, with kids that, that, that have alcohol that had crashes and so forth and so on. And we, and the patrol would always call us out as well when we have DUI uh, crashes on, 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 the, on the turnpike. And, and, and so there, there, there's a lot of good stories there and a lot of stories that, that's kind of heart-wrenching as well. Now you're with Key Resource Protection and, uh investigations. So you're talking about you're still working with, with bars and training them, how, bartenders, how to properly handle themselves? Absolutely. If, 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 if a bar gets cited, a lot of times um, they'll, they'll call me in. I do training first, uh, and then after training, we, uh, we, we then do an exercise where, where we'll send somebody in, uh, depending, upon, uh, on, uh, depending upon the violation, and see if they've learned anything yet. And, and, and if so, they pass the test and we make sure that they have policies because a lot of your bars and alcohol places don't have policies and so we help them put, put together a policy so that they don't find themselves in that same situation again. All about public service. It's, that's it. More with Earl Mack after this break and we're joined by longtime Toledo radio host Fred Lefevre. That's next on Leading Edge. Welcome back. This is Black History Month and the Buffalo Soldiers are a motorcycle club that devotes its time and resources, making Toledo a better place to live. Here's Earl Mack and Fred Lefevre. So, Fred, how long have you known Earl and how did you wind up being the public information officer for the Buffalo Soldiers? Well, I've actually known Earl personally probably for about six or seven years, I think. Um, I first heard him speak at Notre Dame Academy when my daughter was a student there. He came in and gave a talk uh, when he was an alcohol agent uh, about parents' responsibility when it came to uh, year-end parties and stuff. And I thought then, wow, this is, a, this is a smart guy. He knows what he's talking about. And then I had heard through my radio show that he was a member of a club, president of the club, that was doing good work in the community. And one of the things I've always talked about is 
don't wait for somebody to step up and do it for you. Don't wait for the government to come along. You see a problem, solve it. And that's what they were doing. So I started to uh, get involved, talk about it more often on the show, had him in as a guest, and actually started to go out on some of the events that they were doing. And then the next thing I know, I was a PIO. It was like being in the armed forces. You kind of, you don't really volunteer, but you get volunteered. And then after that, I became the secretary. So I'm holding two positions now. <laughs> so talk about his transition to becoming a Buffalo soldier. Well, um, when uh, we we first met too, we we uh, we we were on the air with the with, with the Vietnam vets mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and and talking about that and, and, and the way he interviewed. I said, man, <coughs> I can't like the way this guy talks. So so we started uh, calling him about this and that and started reeling him in a little bit, a little bit more because I know he liked community service and took him here. And lo and behold, we the, I, I, I asked Fred one day. I said, would you like to be? A part of our organization. Don't just wear that that supporter shirt. Wear, wear a patch on your back, back, and and we got approval from 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 the national to have them come on board uh, to be a regular member. Because if if you not don't didn't ride a motorcycle, you had to be a uh, an associate member or something. Yeah. And so he became a regular member. Took <coughs> and, and since we we've had him, he ta he's a great secretary. Uh, he's his great PIO. Take great notes. <laughs> yeah, oh, take great notes. And we we have a national organization with the Buffalo Soldier Post around the country, and he and he takes he he gives advice, uh, media wise, and he's just a great member. They do the things that I've always thought that uh, organizations ought to do. They're all volunteer for one thing. They rely on the community. We rely on the community. We rely on our collaborative partners for everything that we do. Uh, we couldn't do anything. Uh, without that help from, well, for instance, Chef Regnus uh, off the rails. When we go out to feed a family or a group of people like the YWCA, it's Chef Regnus that comes <coughs> along. When we need funds, we have people out there who are willing to uh, give us whatever it is we need to carry out our service. And we do, well, we do a ton of stuff. I mean, we have four schools that we've adopted. Old West End Academy, Martin Luther King Jr. Academy for Boys, the L.P. Stewart Academy for Girls, and uh, Pickett Elementary. And so those are the schools that we focus on. We'll go out to any school and teach the classes in gun safety, what to do when stopped by police, emergency preparedness, anti-bullying, all of those things. Uh, but those four schools are the ones that we've kind of adopted as our own. So Operation Without a Home, uh, the Christmas Angel Tree Wish, um, and the gun violence you talked about. I mean, that's a very important part of our community and you guys are doing such great work. I gotta tell you, the gun violence one, uh, we talked to a group of uh, first graders through fourth graders. And um, you know, that little girl that got shot in the car about a year ago, year and a half ago. We got finished and one of the last things we tell the kids is if you hear gunshots, you hit the floor. If you're in a car, Take your seatbelt off and hit the floor. There's no place you can run, and that's the safest place to be as the smallest target. Uh, this little boy came up uh, when, when we were done. He came up to me, and he was in tears. And he said, uh, geez, I wish my sister had heard that message. It, it was his sister that had been shot in that car. So I knew that was the first time that we did that one for a bunch of kids. I knew right then that, that we were having an impact. Mm -hmm. That makes it all worthwhile. And the Christmas giving. The, uh, the Christmas giving is, is we, we uh, one of our thing is, things is gaining trust of our children, trusting us. 
because we see them on the street, we can, we can talk to them. So, so the Christmas giving is, is, is our angel tree, which, which, which each child that participates uh, in this program is given an angel. We want to know exactly what they want for, for Christmas. We don't want to just pile up some toys and you come pick them. Uh, and so we give them exactly what they want with all the supporters that Fred talked about. We have just, man, just tons of supporters out there. Uh, the Rotary Clubs, Mommy Rotary Club is just great with us, do, you know, during that Christmas season. And so when those kids get those toys that they want, you should just see them when we take them to them schools and they come pick their toys up. And it, it builds trust between us and those children. So I don't care what, what happens with them. We can go into a school and talk to the children. As a matter of fact, just recently I went into a particular school because it was having problems out of this 13-year-old this, this, uh, boy. When I sit down and talk to him, because of what we've done, uh, he, he listened to me. He listened well. Uh, and, and it was one of the boys that would have been involved in these, in these kids that were just shot. The, the, uh, these two boys, they, they were his friends, were able to, 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 to gain some, some, some information because of the trust of these kids. So that's why we, we do the things we do. That's why we go into the school so often. When we go in, we demand respect. Teachers can't always be as stern as, as we are, okay? That's one of the things I like. If the kids are acting up, I'm not going to take any crap from them. I see the teacher standing over on the edge and she's a little afraid to say something. Well, we're not. We're there to help them, um, and, and we're going to make sure that they understand that. And this year for Christmas, we served about 400 children uh, that got gifts. But even more to what we do in the schools is we teach them the history of the original Buffalo soldiers. Uh, because as we tell them uh, constantly, especially now during February uh, when it's Black History Month, this isn't black history, all right? The, the, colored troops, as they called them back then, the all-black troops, whatever you want to call them. That's not black history. That's American history that we're not teaching. You know, it might get glossed over, but these are people that you can look up to, that you can respect. And the people in the club, well, Earl, 40 years, law enforcement, military career. Badger, our quartermaster, 26 years in the Army, building and tearing apart tanks. Um, so many law enforcement and ex-law enforcement, ex-military people in the Buffalo Soldiers that are an example to those kids of what you can do. Not what you have to do, but what you can do if you take the opportunity afforded you. Fred Lefevre and Earl Mack from the Buffalo Soldiers on all the great things they do for Toledo. Let's take another break here. Coming back, Flag City Honor Flight planning four trips to Washington, D.C. this year. That's coming up next on Leading Edge. Honor Flight began nationally in 2005 when the World War II Memorial was built. Chapters sprouted across the country, expanding on a great idea to get those veterans to D.C. Well, Flag City Honor Flight began in 2010. Even with a two-year shutdown for COVID, 1,400 veterans from all over Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan have taken the free trip to see the memorials. I want to welcome Steve Schultz and the new, pre the new president and Bob Weinberg, director of Flag City Honor Flight. Gentlemen, four flights this year. Last year, we took three. Uh, I've been on 10 of these flights, and i got to tell you, i I, I got to be honest, I enjoy every single flight as much as the first one. They, they never get old. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later, about the, the, the impact that has on veterans. But talk about the strain on your volunteer staff getting together four flights this year. Well, it'll be interesting. We haven't done it before. Oh. <laughs> so we're all kind of anticipating a great season, too. We've had a little bit of a rollover of, of our board members uh, at 
at the end of last year's season. We've had a few new ones come on, and that's one of the things we want to talk about is Steve coming on in a leadership role as, as president of Flag City Honor Flight. Uh, but with the new blood, we, we have uh, new ideas, fresh ideas, and, and uh, a good opportunity to refocus on who we are and what we do and how we do it and see if we can do it better. So we think we can. Uh, we're trying some new uh, things this year that will help us put more people on the plane quicker, I guess, a little bit more ease, easier uh, so that uh, we're not draining all the lifeblood out of our our, our people. Your volunteers. More volunteers, uh, more board members, um, get more people involved. Steve, what drew you to Honor Flight in the first place? It's it, it just, the more you're around these people, and I, you feel the same way I do, these, it's infectious, the passion for their country and veterans and paying them back for what they've done for our country. Yeah, Dan, I'm, I'm a retired partner from uh, Gilmore, Jason and Mahler, and when we went to Finley and, and formed an office there, we kind of adopted Flag City Honor Flight as our charity that we were really looking to help. And as part of that, uh, I went on a flight as a guardian, and I had a Vietnam vet. And at the same time, my father-in-law, who was a Korean War vet, he went, and his guardian was one of his grandsons. And two things I learned from that. Number one, I learned how the Vietnam vets didn't have the greatest reception the first time they came home from Vietnam. And I guarantee you the reception they get when they come back from honor flight is much different, and it's uh, very important to them. The second thing is, you know, what, what the veterans get out of this is incredible. My father-in-law talked about this flight until the day he died. So it's just really, it's just really fun and, uh, and interesting, and it's an honor to be part of this whole thing. It's, it's a great day. Uh, it's a one-day trip. It's early morning out of Toledo Express Airport. Uh, Flag City Honor Flight's based out of Findlay, but it, it comes out of Toledo on the trips. And uh, they fly into the airport, and they get a great reception, then they spend the day going to all the, the memorials. It's just a, uh, just a wonderful experience for everybody. Tell me what we're seeing here. Ah, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, Arlington National Cemetery. I've been there a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> One thing Bob won't tell you is he was a sentinel, was a guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers. So, and and there's, there's the, the group of the veterans, usually around 75 to 80 veterans. You know, uh, we'll show the, the schedule for the season in just a moment, but tell me about, I know that when we were flying in 2019, we had a good number of World War II veterans, and now that we're on the other side of the pandemic, there are very few left. Very few. Uh, 2019, we took 45 World War II veterans. Really? Last year, we took two in three flights. In, in 19 was two flights, we took 45 veterans, 20 on the first flight in June and 20, 25 on the uh, uh, September flight. Uh, this, and then last year, we did three flights. One was all Vietnam, uh, but we don't have World War II veterans on our waiting list. Well, let's show the schedule now for this coming year and let everybody take a look and see what the flights are. Now, the, the, starting off in April, then in June. September 12th and November 7th. Our June flight is, is a sponsored flight. We have uh, an individual uh, that came out as an individual and not a corporation and sponsored an uh, entire flight themselves. Will that be everyone eligible or is it all Vietnam veterans? It's all Vietnam veteran for that. So it's the Templin family. And, uh, and they did that in uh, honor of a good friend of theirs, Scott Atkins, who is a dentist in, 
in Finley. So they wanted to make it a all Vietnam flight. Scott uh, served in Vietnam. And uh, so it's great. It's a sponsored flight and it's the June, June flight this year. Steve, is there still a backlog of Vietnam veterans? Because um, there's more numbers there and with the flights, especially with COVID, the break we had, there's, is there a long waiting list? Yeah, right now, Dan, we have 550 uh, people on the wait list. Now, some of those are Korea, but probably maybe 40 of them are Korea, the rest of them. And they'll get priority, them. right? They mm -hmm. get priority, yes. So as we're getting toward the downside of this, we're trying to, the, the older veterans get priority, go right to the front. So if you apply tomorrow as a veteran from the Korean War, you'll go to the front of the line? Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yep. We try to get them on as soon as we can for obvious reasons. But, but the other important thing is, that, you know, the Vietnam veterans aren't getting any younger either. No. So that that's, adds to the urgency for us this year of trying to get as many on as we can. In time, veterans from the Gulf War will get some exposure to that, but, but not quite yet. Yeah, we th yes, we think so. So there is the we, protocol, World War II first, Korea, Vietnam. Uh, then there's the other, which is post-Vietnam War. Uh, what we try to do with Flag City Honor Flight is get those people that are interested in going to come as guardians. There's nothing better than having a uh, service member uh, uh, be a guardian for, for a Korean vet or a World War II vet. It's pretty cool. Guys, thanks so much, Steve and Bob. We'll take a time out and be right back on Leading Edge. If you're a veteran and would like to go on an honor flight this year, the website is flagcityhonorflight.org. Just have to served in uniform, served your country to be eligible. I'm Dan Cummins. Thank you for watching Leading Edge.